Welcome to the Better the Pond podcast. In each episode, Warren Berry, CEO and founder of Instinctive Solutions, talks to amazing people doing incredible things that lead the charge of generosity. We'll discover what makes each guest a bit of an odd duck and how they continue to better the pond around us. The migration starts right now with our host, Warren Berry. Hello, everyone, and I want to welcome you to another episode of the Better the Pond podcast, where we talk to amazing people doing incredible things that lead the charge of generosity. My name is Warren Berry, and I'm your host and founder of Instinctive Solutions, where we believe that everyone is an odd duck, but that's what makes them awesome. Now, today our guest is Leah Reddig. Now, Leah is an author, speaker, life coach, and entrepreneur. Leah inspires people to live a life you love. She's living in Frankfurt, Germany, and Leah inspires people around the globe to just be themselves. Her superpower is her laughter, and I'll guarantee you that is contagious. And I want you to listen to her story about living in Kenya, to moving to Dubai, and now living in Germany, and the lessons and lives touched along the way. Her belief is reciprocity, and that's how she uh, actually betters the pond. And... Her belief in reciprocity is her way to better the pond. Her book and show, Who Are You?, help people find and live their purpose in life. And I'm so happy to have as a guest on my podcast, Dr. Leah Reddig. Well, Leah, I want to thank you so much. Uh, and I'm really grateful for the time that you're giving me to be on the Better the Pond podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much, Warren. And I really, really, I truly appreciate it. So, so Leah, um, you know, take me back to being a gosling um, and to leaving the nest and to where you are now. What's your backstory, Leah? So that is a very good question. Um, originally, I come from Kenya and I have lived and worked in Dubai for seven years before I moved to Germany. Um, I've been living in Germany now almost 14 years and ha I have two beautiful um, kids. One is uh, 13 year old and the other one is 11. I'm an author. I'm a motivational speaker. I am um, like a mom, like I said. I am a coach. So I do transformational coach and life coaching. And at the same time, I still do my uh, nine to five job um, career-wise. Um, I love my job as well. And I do clinical research for um, medical devices. Mm -hmm. I've worked with pharma um, companies as well before I jumped into uh, medical devices. And so um, that has been a quite journey. Before I moved to Dubai, that was in 2000. 1999 actually i was i am somebody who has always grown up and i've always aspired to travel because i love traveling mm -hmm. i feel like traveling is something you know it's fulfilling because you learn a lot of things you learn culture you learn traditions you learn new places you meet people of different walks and you kind of uh, grow and understand how you know to cope with them how to you know be in relationship with people how to communicate with people and for me, it has been a joy that I've been able to travel a lot with my job as well as just as individual. And um, even when I was young, I've always aspired to have family, which I'm so glad that I have my kids. 
but I have learned in life that I have to also live for me and you know to ensure that I can take care of myself to ensure that I can do things that make me happy because my children are my joy but there is a point in time in life they will move on they will go do something else they will be living probably in, in another country but then I will <laughs> which is my daughter right now so see exactly and i know that because i know my daughter is already planning to go and do her exchange school year in the u.s and she's only 13 and i'm like you know it's already like a preparation for me emotionally mentally to say they are starting to move out they are now you know taking their own wings they are now learning to do things by themselves and i know that at least i am equipping myself in a manner that i will not be in a mental shock state to say oh so now my nest is empty what next you know or ask myself so what do i do where do i begin then i become a lonely wondering about and thinking about why did i put all my eggs in one basket and now they are all gone and i don't know how to you know find others and you know it's too late i can't do that and i start you know going down uh, the dark path so I kind of try to um, help to make myself aware of every phases of life. And so that is why I chose to begin, um, you know, uh, to do like um, the life coaching mm -hmm. and as well as writing books, which actually my first books were written in a lockdown. So thank God for the lockdown pandemic, COVID-19. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we have to find the blessing in everything, don't we? Exactly. And that's the thing. Because, you know, and you know, you kind of become happy when you can find a blessing in every situation. And I know so many people were affected by that. But, you know, if we look back in our lives, you find every season is a journey for you. Mm -hmm. The question is, are you opening your eyes wide enough to ask and to see what journey is this taking me to? And right. so when, you know, when pandemic started, I was busy still traveling for my normal work. But then, you know, when pandemic came, everything was shut down. And I can, uh, because I work mostly from home, so I could do my work. But then I asked myself, what if everything was completely down? What then? You know, mm -hmm. then you kind of start realizing I need to gauge my strength differently. I need to begin to, you know, explore more about myself. What else I can do? How can I balance them? How can I begin to, you know, introduce new things, new strategies, new developments in my life? And that's when I started thinking about books. It's not like books is something that has been in me for a while. But, you know, you're just so busy with everything or you're doing your job, you have your kids, you want to take out, you want to do this, blah, blah. It's always a never ending story. And then you come and say, I don't have time. I was this and this and this and this. But then pandemic came and you don't have to travel anywhere. You just travel from your sitting room to your toilet, to the kitchen, to the bedroom and you're back. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting, you know, that you say that because um, now I've been thinking about doing these podcasts for a while. Um, so it was in my head, but then it wasn't until COVID hit 
and I wanted to start to tell good stories. I wanted to tell you know the stories of what people were what were doing that were making the world a better place in a time that the world was kind of starting to fall apart. And and uh, and it gave me time to write my book. I'm not done yet. But I'm working on it. But it was again, it was the same thing. And I did have that excuse. Well, I don't have enough time. I don't have enough time. So um, I think with the pandemic, there was a blessing because we were given the gift of time. Exactly. Uh, and to do things uh, that we really wanted to do, mm. but we always made excuses not to. So, exactly. um, yeah. So, can you tell me? I'm I'm really intrigued because the fact that you're you know you're you're an author, you're a motivational speaker, you're a life coach, and obviously you have a you have a big heart, and you and uh, you really care about people. Um, can you take me back? to being in Kenya and can you, you know, what was it like back then for you? And did you see that part of you when you were Gosling? Um, that is very good question. Um, I mean, my life back in Kenya was very good. Um, like I said, I am somebody who is always ambitious to do a lot of things, to do new things, to, you know, to venture into different things. So even when I was young, I could uh, do a lot of things. I could plan, you know, like um, um, events, speaking events in my community. We were kind of having like um, a club thing, a group of young people going, visiting schools, you know, talking to students encouraging them, motivating them, you know, into, you know, just speaking to their education to learn and how important it is for them. Because, you know, many a times there, you, are, when you are young as a student, you are like, oh, I have to finish. I have to go. I want to do this and that. And then you grow up and suddenly you're like, oh my goodness, I held that kid again <laughs> because everything is just not working as I thought. <laughs> You know, and I'm like, so when we were having, we were having like a club that we used to meet every Saturday in um, kind of a, a small canteen. And we thought how best we can serve our community. And we used to go to all these schools, to these social places, and we could talk to kids and they were really enjoying and listening because we could speak our experience of how we felt being out of school, being, uh, you know, in college and university. And, you know, every time you're like, school was the best place to be because you had everything taken care of. You didn't need to think about, oh, how do I pay my rent? Or where do, does my next bus fare come from? Where does my food come from? You just had to go study and everything is being taken care of. And, you know, it doesn't matter whether they get it or they don't, but yours has to be there. And, um, you know, I also had a passion of, you know, traveling abroad and studying abroad. And Australia, Perth was the love of my heart. And so I, we had um, universities come to Kenya and they were kind of enrolling people. Mm -hmm. And I had my qualification for Perth. I even had a university to go. But then somehow things just, you know, didn't work for that. And uh, because for me, from the beginning, what was my line was to do law or journalism. Those were my passion. Okay. So, uh, it, it, because it just didn't work, um, I, did, I first started with um, sales and marketing uh, for pharmaceutical companies. And then I moved to Dubai. And in Dubai, I worked there with a couple of companies. And um, the last company was a British um, certification company, ISO certification. So I kind of like gradually picked up things 
quickly. I was like, if that is not working, I don't need to dwell there. I don't need to, you know, batter myself or, you know, sympathize with myself and wallow in that. I just need to look at the next opportunity and just take it, you know, and you never know because if that is not working, probably the one that you're looking down upon is what is going to take you to your next level. And so that is how I kept on, you know, growing and moving forward and going from one place to another until I arrived where I am, where I, uh, you know, when I came to uh, Germany, I didn't know even a word of German. So I was kind of green in everything. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're just hearing this language and you're like, what? I used to think people just speak English. <laughs> <laughs> is this i mean people are talking but you just don't understand what are they are they really getting each other because you know when you're speaking in english it's just flowing it's fluent and everyone is very but these other languages they just you just hear people like they're rumbling something and they're like what seriously (laughs) (laughs) so i i I quickly realized um i need to get my language skills up and running very fast and I started going to school for uh, German language. I had to do that for a year. Mm-hmm. And in that span also is when my daughter was born. And also in that span is when I started hunting for jobs. Because for me, I just, I'm not just somebody who sits and does one thing. Because I get bored very fast. Yeah. And when I start getting bored, then I get frustrated. And that is something that I don't like. Because then I become a little bit agitated, I'm here, I'm there, I get aggressive. And so, so I always say, I don't want to, you know, be that grumbling person. So I kind of try to keep myself busy, entertain myself as much as uh, I, I do the things that I love. And so after I got my first job, it was, um, I was still doing like a part-time job in a church. Mm-hmm. And then moved from there, I joined uh um, it was a chemical company. It was an Austrian company. And that was also another um, interesting um, area because the first uh, trainings I had to fly to Austria, to Austria. And their German is a different level, is totally different. You kind of, it's like you're talking to a deep Scottish person. Okay, yeah. <laughs> and you're wondering, is that English? <laughs> So, so that must have been a steep learning curve. Oh, yes, it was. It was. And I was like, wow. So you're sitting there and somebody is training, is training you and they are talking about so many things. And you're like, I hope I caught that. I hope I caught that. Until I, I came to a point where I was like, no, I have to ask if this what they're telling me is the same thing I understand. Is this the same German I know? Because maybe they're not actually speaking German and I'm just sitting there and thinking that I'm understanding and I really don't understand anything. <laughs> and I'm trying to give my own lesson to myself. <laughs> smile and nod. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I kind of sat there and I was looking at the guy straight and, uh, you know, he, he saw my smile and then he asked, is there a problem? So he spoke English and I was like, you speak English? Really? And then he was like, and then I was like, um, so I said, let me polish my German skill and see how it will fit in in between to the queue. And I was like, what you just said, is it the same word like the one we speak in Germany? And he said, yeah, it's the same thing. 
it's the same German. It's just uh, um, maybe my voice is so deep. I was like, ah, and everybody busted into a laugh. And I was like, man, guy, you made me sweat there because I was like, I'm straining and I'm thinking, no, this cannot be the German I know. This is something different, uh, you know, because you're in Europe and you have the German in Germany is different from the German in Austria and from the German in um, Switzerland. So you have these three countries that speak German, but they're all totally different. Pronunciation is different. Right. And you're like, what? And I'm supposed to be selling those things? To who? <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's funny, my, my daughter, who is fluent in French, so she learned, she went through French immersion here, so she was fluent in French, um, but when she got to France, again, it's a different French. Yes. So she had so the same experience that you had, and she had to sort of relearn it again, right, exactly. just in a new exactly. way. Exactly, and it's also similar, you know, to uh, African French-speaking uh, people. When they come to France, they're totally lost. Because it's different. It's not what they know. And so you kind of uh, try to, you know, find your way. And I really realized it's mainly because if you have interest, the desire, the passion, mm -hmm. and you have your goals, then you find strength in that. Yeah, and that, I mean, that gives you, that's your, you know, that's your, your, your North Star, right? Exactly. Yeah, and, that's, and that gives you the drive to keep moving forward. And, exactly. And, and one of the things that I've learned, too, even with everything that uh, has been going on, is just, you know, never give up. Just, you know, you keep moving forward. Exactly. exactly. Keep moving forward because, you know, you will stumble. Babies, when they're born, when they start uh, walking, they stumble, they stand. When they're six months, they kind of try to crawl. Even the crawling is a little bit of a hassle for them because first they have to lift up their knee and then they go down, then lift up again the knee and then they go down and they're like, what kind of yoga is that, my friend? <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> so it's, 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 it's kind of the same with us. It's just that we are big babies and we have to be in a place where we say, you know, with everything that I do, it might not work 100%, but I'm learning. Mm -hmm. And it's my learning curve that I take that and I say, okay, probably I would have done it differently or probably I need to ask somebody who knows it better, you know, to find support so that you can grow into the right direction. But, you know, alone you cannot definitely not do it. So you kind of have to find your path, to find your tribe, to find your culture, so that you can be able to grow in a manner that you're with like-minded people and not just random, you know, and then you don't lose your why, you don't lose your focus, so that you can be able to say, you know, even you, it will happen, because if I came this far, you can also do even much better. Mm -hmm. you know? I, I agree with you. Yes. So, so... Leah, I believe that we're all odd ducks. I believe that we're all, we're all misfits. Um, can you tell me about a time in your life when you, when you didn't fit in or, or when you had to do things differently? Yes, there are several moments, several times where I actually didn't fit in and I had to do things differently. Um, one is because I was in... Um, I was in um, boarding school when I was young. And 
you know, being in a boarding school, sometimes it can be, you can have a lot of pressure with people, mm -hmm. with other students, because you're meeting students from different walks of life. You know, there are those rich families, there are those middle-class families, then there are those, you know, poor families. And so depending on where you are and, you know, to achieve certain things or to, you know, to be in certain places, you kind of had to play, you know, you had to find a fitting. And sometimes it was very difficult to fit in because one, I am somebody who I can be very quiet and, you know, until you're like, what, what happened? You know, or I can be very loud. And so for me, it was to find a balance of both so that I can find a, you know, a fit for me, which was very difficult. So I had to kind of begin to retrain myself on, you know, I don't need to be always quiet. I need, if, if I feel like something is just not working right, I need to find a way of how to communicate it. You know, I need to learn that I don't need to please people to be in their circle. I just need to be me and to, you know, have and, and know that not everybody will appreciate me as I am, but if they would want me to appreciate them as they are, then they have also to appreciate me as I am because it is a give and take moment and we are all there to learn. Right. Because when we are in that school, we are a family because we are completely eight hours drive away from the civilized world. That was, uh, those, were the, those were my first moments. And, you know, the second moments were when I moved to Dubai. Um, that was a completely different culture. A different culture, a different weather. And I just couldn't fit in because I just couldn't understand why people in life would segregate themselves. You know, like you have, that is an area for women, that is an area for men. You can't go in, you can't do that, you can't, you know. And I was like, these are adults. And it's like, you know, children in a country. So it's like you have parents who are leading the country and the rest are children. And then what really uh, kind of was a little bit difficult for me was because, you know, there, when you work in a local company, then, uh, you know, in those days when, you know, actually United Arab Emirates, when it was still coming up, it was still kind of remote. It's not, you know, now they are civilized. They are metropolitan. They are, it's like, you know, you woke up in a dream, Cinderella dream and everything just was there mm. when i went there it was still a desert it was still remote it was a place when you know when you are in a Sharjah uh, region you could see dubai region there was no buildings in between it was just desert. Wow. so you could move there within with a taxi you needed only 10 minutes drive mm. now you need like half an hour yeah. so for me it was very difficult because one they were appreciative of English, but, you know, the international community was not very strong then. So we, it was very difficult for me to fit in into this so religious culture mm -hmm. to, you know, uh, kind of try to fit in with the weather because, you know, the summer begins around March. Mm -hmm. And so the heat is so much up to, you know, around September, October. 
and you have to work and you know it's it was not very easy as a woman to get a job it was not very easy so for me that was a struggle it was very difficult for me to fit in there were times i was almost throwing the towel but then i kept on reminding myself that you know you love being in different uh, cultures you love to learn things so this is a learning phase it's a hard learning phase but it's your place now to learn and if you can survive here you can survive anywhere so you know and i kept on reminding myself battling with myself but reminding myself every day because sometimes you 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 know your job you're living in dubai in united arab emirates dependent on your employer so if they fire you today they deport you oh really yes and so for me it was like it was it was really a burden because you're like you, you kind of like a hen trading very carefully on her eggs so that they don't hatch in a wrong way right so you kind of all the time you're looking over your shoulder and it's not like you're a criminal it's not like but you're so careful that you don't want to lose that position you don't want to lose nothing that will jeopardize your stay in that country so and that for me your, was very difficult yeah and what was what was your biggest learning from from that period of your life my biggest learning um was actually when i had to change jobs and when you're changing jobs in those times now i'm not really sure how they function but in those days when you had to change your job if you are not working with a typical pure international company that means it is run by americans or europeans then you are in a very unsafe place because if you want to change a job you had to kind of be very discreet on it you had to kind of be quiet about it because you sign your contract you must have like a temporal visa to mm-hmm. hold on otherwise you have to exit the country to exit the country it's troublesome because you know you're going out you have to come back when you exit you're not sure if the next employee will actually send you a visa to come back and work there right so you're kind of very wobbly in everything and so for me when i was cha- when i changed my job from a local company to an international company it was a learning curve because i had to exit the country and before i w- i was supposed to exit the country i had a lot of things to take care of i kind of left a full house and just you know exited and it took me almost like three to six months before i could get my work permit to go back and work so for me in that time it was really a moment where i was feeling like a total failure you know like you feel like you didn't analyze everything you didn't look at every aspect of whatever you are doing you you feel like a failure you feel like you screwed up everything and you're starting from zero but then you know my employer was very very he was a very nice gentleman he was a british guy and he kept contact because he could not go to any government office you have to always have a local person to do all the you know governmental documentation and stuff mm-hmm. so he kept on motivating me every time so he could kind of give a call every you know every two weeks three weeks and just you know kind of reassure me don't worry your visa will come out everything will be perfect you know and you know it doesn't matter even if you lose your your housing or your things 
we will find a way to settle you back. So that kind of was giving me that reassurance, but still, you know, you, you're not on ground. So, and when you're not, I am, those days I was somebody who loved, I love to control the things I do. And when I have no control over that, then it's really very difficult. So for me, I had to learn to know that I don't have to control everything. Sometimes I have to let go and just let things work. I've seen that theme uh, through so many people, Leah, and I always, I always like the line of, if you want to make God laugh, tell me your plans. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because we, ultimately we don't, you know, we, there's certain things we, we, we try to control and there's things you can manage, but there's so much, is really is when you let go is, yeah. is really where the magic is. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And so, you know, when I just decided not to think about it and just to, you know, kind of have my good sleep, eat and just do my own thing is when everything just came, you know, my visa came, my ticket came, everything. And so when I flew back, I was, I was very amazed because then I learned working with an international, you could keep your documents to yourself, you know. And like working with the locals, they had to take all your documents. So you, if you want to travel, you have to kind of go back for your documents. I'm like, you know, and so this time I had to keep my documents. So it was like, wow, that's a plus because I don't need to ask for permission. If I decide today, okay, I need a vacation. I can just travel. I don't need to start applying to get my documents back. Wow. Yeah. That's fascinating. Yeah. So it was a really um, a learning curve for me. And I felt like, you know, and, you know, I love what you said, you know, if you, if, if you want to make God laugh, you know, tell me your plan thing is like, you know, I always say, I think really sometimes God just sits there and laughs at us and say, look, <laughs> why, why, why are you doing all that? Just settle in, settle in, you know, relax yourself, you know, take a deep breath and just, you know, if you say, let me control it, just leave it there and, you know, do the other things and let that work by itself. So. Yeah, it was really a learning curve for me to just learn to not control, let go, and just, you know, let the things work as they are. Absolutely. Just, you know, it, it's, it's so much more work trying to paddle upstream, you know, it's just, you know, if you just let go of yours and, and, and go with the flow and, and life gets so much better. And again, exactly. and I'll say it again, that's where the, to me, that's where the magic is. So, so Leah, what is your superpower? What makes you oh. awesome? And, and this is not bragging, this is not ego, but I wanna know what makes you you? And again, as I said, what makes you awesome? Oh, wow. Let me begin with what makes me awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that makes me awesome. When I just laugh. <laughs> so simple, so simple. <laughs> so simple because, you know, that is and and that is what i learned because it is also connected with my strength because for me the laughing because i can really laugh loud i love to laugh loud because it comes out from my stomach i feel the energy with it and it gets me so excited that i can really laugh um the other day i was just with a very good friends of mine and we were really at it on laughing and she was so surprised to say, you can really laugh until you cry. I said, yeah, because, you know, it's for me, something that energizes me, it gives me strength because I know that it's, 
gives me a focus into the positive. Mm-hmm. It allows me to see things differently. It, it teaches me that you can laugh in every season. Just laugh it off. Because when you laugh, it, it kind of releases something out of you. And it makes you become light. And so, you know, when I found that, I, real, I, I found myself, I could laugh a lot. I laugh a lot with my kids. We laugh over so many funny things, you know. Sometimes even when I would want to punish them, I can't because <laughs> when I tell them something, they start laughing. And so we start laughing. <laughs> so everything is kind of forgotten and we are just laughing like mad people. But yeah, it's something that um, has really, I can say that makes me awesome. What is my strength? My strength, I'm a visionary. Ah. And I am somebody, I can, I can envision so many things. I have great ideas and I am not, I, I can manage up to an extent, but implementation for me is easier to delegate it to somebody else. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know, I will tell you how it is, how it looks because it is all in my mind right. and how it will look at the end, you know, and I can walk you straight through it and you will see it and you can put it down and you can work with it, you know, but those small details implementation are really a strenuous for me. That is my weakness. Mm-hmm. Well, I wanted maybe, you know, I work uh, with people and I work with, with companies and teams and uh, based on instincts. And there's so our, our instinctual, what's called the conative aspect of our mind is mm. how we take action and it's how we problem solve. And mm. so how I see it is that we knew, and I understand totally the fact of all the details. I am not a detailed guy. I'm a, <laughs> I guess, I'm a visionary guy. And like, I just, I just make the details go away and somebody else will do it. <laughs> I never see that as a weakness. Um, and maybe, maybe we can reframe this because because yeah. it's not something that you do well, but but I bet you though, if you you know how you can see the big picture and how you can simplify things and how you can um, just you know take really really big problems and just break them down and condense them and say, well, why don't we just do this? That, yes. That's a strength, right? So um, it's it's not the weakness isn't about having not knowing all the details. It's the, the, the strength in that is basically of not having all the details. So you don't get mired in them and, and you, you, you simplify big problems. Exactly. Exactly. And for me, I really love, you know, because sometimes I, 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 I can see it and I, I love to listen to people and I can listen and listen and listen. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, when I'm listening, I can look at you directly and sometimes you think, oh, you're not listening. But for me, listening is when I look directly at the person and I stay still and I listen until you finish. Because in that moment of listening and looking at you, I am learning something. I'm learning something from you because your body language speaks differently. Right. And I can pick up what exactly would be your problem and your solution. Because sometimes even that solution is not in any book it's just within your face circumference yeah i mean it's in it, uh, you know i like a it's, it's in the energy right when you mm-hmm. when you when you can pick up the energy of what's there 
there's there's so much information there exactly, exactly. Not being being said so there is another super you're awesome and you have you have look at all the superpowers you have you're incredible <laughs> you're incredible so Leah, can you tell me about a time in your life when someone did something for you that left a mark Yeah, um, they are, I have a lot of those moments where really um, people have done a lot of things that have left a mark in my life. Mm -hmm. um, one, the first person who left a huge mark in my life was my grandma. Mm. Um, yeah, because she, I admired how she did her things. How, you know, we did not grow up uh, in a rich family. You know, she was a mother of five. And then she had, her, you know, her two grandchildren who were born on an early age. And so for us, she was like our mom. So it was not, you know, people never knew that we were her grandchildren. We didn't even know that we were her grandchildren, you know. And so, you know, you're like, she took care of all of us with her minimal. And we are talking about a kindergarten teacher in Africa. So she had the minimal of the minimal, but she took care of us. And that left a huge mark in my life. And she still shared that with the community. And you know, when you're, when you're young, when you're small, you would look at that and you would be like complaining and whining and say, that's the only thing we have. Why are you now sharing it out? You know, like, oh, we missed it. Why would they give it out? We are here, you know? You all, you all, all those moments. But when I grew up, I began to look at all that picture and I realized how much she was teaching us. Wow. That is an amazing story. Um, and you said earlier that you didn't know or you didn't know that she, that she didn't know that they were your grandkids or... No, we didn't know we were her, she knew we were her grandkids, but she took care of us like her own children, wow. you know, because yeah. she had the minimal and she had all these five kids and, you know, our moms by then, they were not working. They had nothing. So they couldn't provide. Right. You know? So she took us in and she took care of us from zero, you know, from the day we were just dropped out and, you know, she took care of us and we grew up and, you know, you look at this uh, woman, she's doing amazingly things within the community and she's raising her kids and you know uh, at that time we would say we were seven people and she would take also relative kids and she would be raising them because they didn't have nothing and she is also providing for them mm -hmm. and you know we didn't miss nothing you know that right. you know having this luxury of traveling we didn't miss it because you know where she was working, she had the opportunity of doing those safari activities for the kindergarten uh, mm -hmm. kids because it was a kinder, it was a company kindergarten, and so we were all involved. So she would take us to all those, you know, traveling. So we enjoyed that even when we couldn't afford it because she enabled it for us with her minimal. Right. You know. Yeah, I mean, it sounds to me that you know she she just did it out of love. She did it out of love and, you know, just taking care of other people's kids and, you know, this community around us, it was a big, huge impact for me because it felt like, because I felt like a last born as a mom because I was the youngest. 
So I was more like a last one. So everywhere I would go with her and I would see the things she's doing and I was like, wow, why? You know, you have that attitude as a child, why? You know, (laughs) but then later is when, when I was growing up, I began to realize all that was a lesson for us. And I didn't realize how it impacted my life until I found myself doing the same. Mm-hmm. I, I love those moments. And I've, that's another thread that I've seen. I was just talking about this yesterday with a friend of mine and saying that how the, the, the things that happened to us as a child that left an impact, right? As we get later in life, we see the same pattern come back out again on the other side. It mm. is, you know, and it's not until you get you know, older where you can actually really start to connect those dots. Exactly. Right. Um, exactly. I think it's absolutely fascinating of how those certain people in your life just leave that mark and leave that impression on you. And when you, you know, and you start doing the same for others. And exactly. uh, I, that's, uh, I think it's an amazing story. Um, and, you know, and, and your grandmother doing that just, you know, and again, it was minimal and just out of love and doing, you know, and just doing the right thing. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. So, what are you doing right now presently to better the pond, Leah? Um, and also, I want to know why. So what am I doing at the moment to better the pond? I am really uh, trying to support a lot of uh, young people, especially I was privileged, you know, when I, because I've been working a, uh, a lot. And I was privileged also to have au pairs in my home. Ah. So, yeah, that's why I was very amazed, you know, that your daughter is doing a fair in France of like, I hope the family is really treating her well. Because, you know, sometimes most of the families who bring in these young people, you know, to support them, they quickly forget that they are also somebody else's child. Right. It's not just because I pay you some, you know, um, small pocket money and you're watching my kids that um, I don't take you in as my family. And so for me, I began also to take that as a moment what I would say that God blessed me to have that moment when I have those au pairs in my home, I can mold them, you know, to become somebody. I can help them, you know, after the moment of au pair, what's next, you know? And you begin to look at that. You just don't sit and dwell on, yeah, now I am doing my au pair and, that's a, and I, have, I can travel everywhere and I can do this, I can do. No, it's a step for you to begin to look into the future. What next? Because all these things, they will always be there. But if you have no future, you can't enjoy them. Why have a moment when you can have a lifetime? Wow, that's powerful. You know, and so that is, uh, you know, that was also something that I've been actually equipping myself. And that's how I began to go into coaching and mentorship. Mm. Another thing uh, that I've been uh, doing, uh, with, I'm just in a process of setting up um, some activities with uh, some friends of mine where we want to begin to also do more for the community, do more actually back also in our country. So there are so many things that um, I'm doing to better the pond. In my job, my current job, I am so grateful that, you know, I see people's lives being changed, you know, and I can say that, yes, something is moving. It's not just, you know, me, you know, being out there or, you know, seeing this uh, 
devices here, you know, kind of just being implanted, or as I was doing in the pharma, we just do all those studies out there. But, you know, when you go there and you see how people's lives are being changed, you see a curve that was low is just shooting up, you feel very happy about what you're doing. You feel like I might not be, you know, known by somebody which is not very necessarily important for me, but I know that what I do is impacting somebody. And, I, you know, and go back to your coaching, um, you know, I said you inspire people to live a life you love. Yes. And, you know, and, and you, when you inspire someone else to do that, I mean, it, that is so beneficial and impactful on people. Um, and so that, I mean, I, you know, and in turn, when, when you, when you have that, they, again, in turn, hopefully with the people around them can to do the same. Right. Mm, mm, exactly. Um, because it's a, it's, it's a thing of multiplication. You know, I don't, I don't bless you to take it in and you sit up with that. You will explode like a balloon. You know, you have to <laughs> like multiply because when you see somebody who has been in the same position, because, you know, when you sit down and you analyze most of the situations, they kind of are all similar. It's just that, you know, everybody has a different way of dealing with it. Mm -hmm. But then you realize the skills, the techniques, the strategies, the equipping is the same. You just have to fine tune it to fit that person's shoe. And they have to fine-tune to fit the other person. So you bless one and they multiply it. You kind of, you're spreading that love and you're multiplying the energy and you're giving back to, you know, the community what you have received. Because if otherwise you will also not be able to learn because then you will be sitting down with just what you know. Because when I see somebody who came in with something and all of a sudden they're blooming, I know that, there has been some good water, there has been some good fertilizer, and I know that that same fertilizer and that water is multiplying so that their person, they can go and tell somebody that, you know what, I learned this from here, and so can you. And you see the person they mentor or they coach or they, you know, work with growing, then you see that actually you're also learning something back because you're seeing them groom, you're seeing them grow, you're seeing them multiply. They be, because when you coach somebody, when you support somebody, they have to be better than you. Yes. So that somebody else can be better because we are out to better the community. You can't better the community when you just want to be the better person. Right. And that's, and that's, yeah. And that's how we better the pond. The pond is exactly. the community, right? The pond is the community. <laughs> so I want to know, why do you, why do you do it, Leah? Yes, that's a good question. Why do I do it? One, I do it because I am giving glory to God for what he has done for me. Because I believe what I have, where I am, it's only him who has made it possible. Because I can count so many times where so many things went wrong that I wouldn't have been where I am, but still I made it to where I am. So it is to give God glory for what he has done in my life. Two, to better the community, to better my pond, that I can leave a legacy of knowing that I just didn't sit and feed on what I have, but I received and I gave it back. Three, I want my children to learn that this life is not about 
you saying that family is you, your sister, your mom, your dad, or your auntie. Your family is your tribe, like-minded people, mm -hmm. the community that you better. That is your family. It's interesting that, you know, listening to you uh, and everything you speak about is, is about reciprocity. Yes. That weaves all through your story. It's all about, you know, <laughs> <laughs> what you receive and what you put out and what you get back. And, you, and, and, you know, and again, whether that's in your, in your community, in your own tribe, um, um, and to, to, to the world in general. You, yes, exactly. Because, you know, we, you can sit and you can see different kinds of people. And I can sit and say, oh, why is this president not doing that? What are you doing for your neighbor? Right. Why are you going poking the president? You don't know the fire the president is sitting on. What is your fire? That, you know, I mean, that comes down to, you know, that's so interesting because it comes down to understanding. And I agree with you. And every, you know, that's the funny thing is everyone has a story. Exactly. Everyone has a story. Um, and that's one of the big lessons that I've learned in my life is about, you know, is about judgment. And there was a time in my life I used to judge. Uh, I think we've all done it. But, exactly. you know, and as, as I've gotten older, to understand that, you know, uh, when you, why are they doing that? Or how come they're not? And all those things. But we, we don't know their story. Once you understand their story, then everything changes and then judgment goes away. Exactly. And I think also, you know, back in, you know, our early ages, it was a different tune, it was a different music, and it was not so open-minded. Mm -hmm. Right now, it is more open, more flexible. So before you sit and you judge, you can sit and structure a strategy mm -hmm. that you can start with one person. Because when you are able to, you know, to begin, because you have to train yourself first. Mm -hmm. to come to that place before you can train somebody else to come to that place. Yes. Because then you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> because my story, and if I cannot learn from my story, because I have realized so many people, everybody has a story, but many people are sitting on that story. And it is not because they are not able to use that story to benefit their surrounding or to influence their sphere of influence. It is because they have just learned to sit and wallow and talk and judge. Mm -hmm. But when you begin to see, and it's also not, a, I know it's not everybody, but in our society today, there are so many places, there are so many ways that we can better people's lives. We don't need to be present. We don't need a lot. You know, you just need to open up your eyes, open up your mind, open your spirit and say, you know what? Yes, I don't like the way you're doing things, but I am trying to better my sphere of influence and see how can I deal with that small portion that I have right now. Mm -hmm. Because if today they say, okay, Dr. Learity, we are campaigning you to be the president, what next? Answer that. You have to understand. You have to understand all the arrows that you've been shooting on somebody will be shot on you. Are you ready for that? Right. So then you kind of balance, why would I be 
so judgmental when I don't know how that seat feels. So mm -hmm. I begin to feel the fire on my seat because I look at my surroundings. What needs a change and how can I bring that change within my surroundings? How can I better one person at a time, one day at a time, one step at a time? Mm -hmm. And that grows because the more we do one person at a time, one step at a time, one community at a time, we kind of spread. And before you realize so many things that are really happening around us will not because people are learning and understanding that, you know, actually I'm not just the only person going through that. Mm -hmm. There is actually somebody who is even have a more worse story than mine. Mine is even just better than anything else. And I can at least feel comfortable on it. Somebody else's is really burning them. That pond is overflowing. It's flooding. Yeah. You know? And so when I begin to do one thing at a time, just small things, I don't need to do to build a big, um, you know, mansion or, you know, because there are some people, you can even put a whole house full of gold, but they will still not see that gold because they'll still be looking for it. Right. So it is just having people to begin to learn that, you know, the small things that you see, the small things that you can appreciate within your sphere of influence, Mm -hmm. can bring a greater impact outside there. And as you walk, people will be like, you know, because you walk with a certain positive energy with you. Because remember, when you show up somewhere, there is an energy that shows up with you. And it can either be felt in a positive way or it can either be felt in a negative way. So how are you trying to ensure that when you show up, even to those who have nothing or those who are suffering, no matter whatever space they are in, they will feel encouraged and they can grow and they can receive and begin to implement and walk it because you want to see change. Change will not come from above because you can't climb a ladder from a top. You have to climb it from down. Yes. So that's how we grow and that's how we expand. That's how we multiply and that's how we can also groom the younger generation to become better leaders than we are or than we will ever be. Mm -hmm. Because then they see, okay, that is what that went wrong. And now you can learn to go things, you know, so because some things you will never learn in a school. You learn through experience. You learn through people's stories. And that is what we are supposed to be motivating people with, pushing it out there and also working it ourselves. Not with exaggeration, but with a manner that it is really positively impacting. Mm -hmm. I call it the university of life. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so earlier, Leah, you had said that, you know, you're a visionary, which leads me into the next question. Um, you're, so you are, you're a mother goose on the pond. You are the wise one. You are the sage. Um, oh tell me, what, is, what does the future look like? And, and paint me a picture of your golden pond. Wow. Um, my future looks greater than it is today. I have, uh, I have an appeal to God that I said I want to live 99 years. So I have a great future to see things, a lot of things come to manifestation. Um, how my golden pond, a picture of my golden pond is really to see a lot of young generation, a lot of, you know, I know so many people always say women, 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 but we also have 
men who need to be groomed. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't have men groomed, younger generation, younger uh, uh, you know, men groomed into becoming men of purpose, then you will never stop abuse. You will never stop uh, um, drug misuse. You will never stop family breakages. They will still be there because if he is a man who carries a vision. And I always tell people, you know, in every relationship, everybody has got a purpose. Mm -hmm. Every human being on this earth has a purpose. There is nobody who has been born without a purpose. Otherwise, then they are dead. Right. I agree with you. And there is nobody who is walking dead. Then we will be talking (laughs) about different levels of spirit. So... Um, everybody has a purpose and that purpose has to be activated and it can only be activated in a manner that we begin to speak a different language in our communities, in our societies. Our younger men, young boys, you know, they need also to be trained that as much as you grow as a man, you're a human being. You are allowed to be emotional. You're allowed to know that you don't need. When people say man up, doesn't mean that now you, even when the wall is breaking on you, you're just there. That's wrong. They need to know that there is that point where you can't do it. Just seek help. Mm-hmm. You, know, you don't need to be lashing around, you know, disrespectful or, you know, unnecessarily carelessly. You need to carefully understand your space to also build this family that you want to build or this community that you want to build, to understand the balance. I can say equality, but they are not trained to understand or to know what is equality. Equality means that you come with a purpose or you come with a vision. I come with a purpose and a vision. We put it on the table, we work it, we look at it, look at our strengths and weaknesses. Because when we come together, I have a strength that is not the same as yours. And that is why when we put it together, we build something together. And that way we can work together and we have a balance and knowing and understanding that life is about balancing us, our works balancing the things that we do balancing our purposes our vision walking to running with it you know i don't just come and sit and wait and look and wait i don't speak what are my expectations but then i still expect something from the person Mm -hmm. how is the person supposed to know what i am expecting if i don't put it on the table right uh yeah unless you communicate it exactly how do we know Finding value from both sides because everybody is valuable. Mm-hmm. A person with purpose is a valuable tool. Yeah, because yeah. what you put out there is building something. Mm-hmm. So you have to begin to learn to train, especially our younger generation, even our older men, and train them and tra- you know, tell them, you know, you're just human. There is a moment where you can break. There is a moment where you're strong. But then seek the support, seek the help. It doesn't mean that you're foolish. You're becoming wiser and you're gaining strength and you're taking your position in a rightful way. 
and you're demonstrating to the younger ones as you grow older something that they learn and they run with it mm-hmm. and they teach it and they run with it so you know that is how i visualize my phone and i know you know it i am somebody who i say you know there is a place for everything and there are so many things that will definitely come to a change but people have to be flexible and just open their minds and you know their hearts their spirits to learn from each other because we are all in a learning school this app is a learning school for us who knew that we will be locked down the whole world <laughs> yeah I don't think, and no one saw that one coming that's for sure nobody saw that <laughs> one coming and nobody knew that even in that things will still continue mm-hmm. no one knew that even with that of course there people were hurting but still in that moment you're finding your strength we just don't know we just need to look deeper and harder and you will see the strength that you have because you're still alive and you have a purpose and you have a purpose the world the world needs everyone everybody just <laughs> like my hand i need all my fingers to hold my mug and drink my tea <laughs> exactly <laughs> <laughs> so I really want to thank you so much for your time today, Leah. This is a great conversation. Uh, you're thank very you. inspiring. You're very motivating. Um, and, and you speak from the heart. Uh, I, thank you very much. Uh, there's just, there's so much honesty and integrity there. Um, so now where do we find you, Leah? And, and, and this is your, and you get to plug your book and <laughs> <laughs> Yes, um, I, where to find me, I have my website, and my website is www.steppinggrace.com, www.steppinggrace.com. There you will find my three motivational books. One is Who Are You? And Who Are You? is a book of self-realization. You are identifying who are you, you know. And then the other book is also Strength. Where do you find your strength? How do you find your strength? How do you put your strength to use productively? Then there is the one uh, I wrote also for the love of God. Why? Because, you know, for me, I'm very spiritual as well. And I know that, you know, people find love in wrong places, but there is a love that never dies. It never ends. And so that book kind of trains you to, you know, look at, the love that will never die, it will never end. It will just love you no matter what, it will just love you. And then I have another book that I have co-authored with a, uh, a couple of ladies from the church. We were around 13 ladies. It's called Stepping Into Your Territory. And this book is a story about, you know, different women who have brought stories about their walks of life that encourages people to know that, you know, you can step out there, step into your territory, take that position. And begin to, you know, work your strength, work your identity. You know, bring yourself out. Don't think about what you have, what you don't have. Just bring yourself out and begin to see how your energy will begin to walk you out there. And I also have my blogs there that I've written as well. And I also on Facebook, uh, as uh, Leah Reddick, and on Instagram, I have uh, one Instagram is Ask uh, Dr. Leah. 
and the other one is just Learedic. So I am available there. And also I have my shows that I do every Thursdays and Fridays. And the show is called Who Are You? So mm -hmm. in this show platform, I bring people who come and speak about their stories to motivate, to empower, you know, to teach and to enrich the community at large, especially right now in this season of, you know, lockdown pandemic, everybody trying to figure out what next. So you kind of hear stories of people who have really seen as much as we are in lockdown, but they have bloomed, they have, you know, thrived in this season and how you can also thrive in the season. So yes, that's how people can find me on my platform. Excellent. Those, I would love to hear those stories. Um, and, and as far as your books go, you can get them on your website. Um, and are they available on Amazon or? They're also um, available on Amazon. And you can also go through directly on Amazon. And you can just write the, the, the topic of the book and my name. Or you can go via my website. And it will take you to Amazon. Also, you'll find them in Lulu. And you can also find the ebooks on Apple. So, yes, they are all over. Excellent. In fact, I am going to read them. Lovely. Lovely. <laughs> Looking forward to your feedback. Yeah, I can't wait. So, um, so there you have it, folks. It was a great time here again on the podcast. And this is Warren Berry flocking off to take you to take you beyond the pond to better the pond because we're better together. Thank you so yes. much, Leah. Thank you very much, Warren. Well, thanks for landing on the Better the Pond podcast. Do you know someone who should be in our flock? Contact Warren at warren at instinctivesolutions.ca to tell us their story. Until next time, what ripples will you create? Cheers. <laughs>